Our second lesson comes from the book of 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians has mainly been spent by the Apostle Paul writing to the church in Corinth, trying to help quell the division that's been created in the church. And our scripture is the very end, the very last thing Paul wants to leave them with. And it's a hope and cry for unity and community. And he ends with this Trinitarian benediction as a way to say the only way we find unity in community is with the triune God. So listen for a word from God from 2 Corinthians 13, 11 through 13. Finally, brothers and sisters, farewell. Put things in order. Listen to my appeal. Agree with one another. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the saints greet you. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with, you all, be with all of you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Lord God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be pleasing in your sight. For you are the triune God of relationship and love. We pray this all in your name. Amen. Today is Trinity Sunday. That wonderful Sunday where we gather to talk about the paradox of God being three yet one. The unfathomable mystery that we seek to understand and to grasp. And if you have any hope that I am going to be able to perfectly explain the Trinity, which the church has failed to do for the past 2,000 years, let me say I will disappoint you. In fact, this is my third year here at this church, and every single sermon series, Reverend Dr. Tara crafts, and she faithfully looks at scriptures, and she makes these wonderful things for us. And every single year, she gives me Trinity Sunday. <laughs> which is starting to not feel like an accident, as I told her. And she reminded me that she's preached quite a few Trinity Sundays in her day. The Trinity has been the focus of councils and decrees, of creeds and doctrines and heresies. It has divided us. It has united us. It has been a form of worship as people have sought to know God more. The early church fathers had several things that they were trying to understand, and this formed the foundation of our understanding of the Trinity. The early church fathers were wrestling with their own context and their own issues. The particular questions they were trying to figure out was, how can we be called a monotheistic religion when there is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit? They also wondered, who came first or have has God always been? Has the triune God always been? And what is each God made out of? Are they made out of the same thing? And these are things that brought together the Council of Nicaea, the Council of Constantinople. And I'll be honest with you, church, I have studied all of these things in my undergrad and in seminary. 
I've learned all about the substances of God. I learned the difference between homoousia and homoousia. I've read about who begat who, who begat who, who begat who. I've studied what hypostasis means and how it relates to God. And I'll be honest with you, that did nothing for my spiritual growth. It did nothing. It did heighten my pride as a 20-year-old because I knew some new words that I like to throw around. But when it comes to the Trinity, we often come to this point that Shirley Guthrie summarizes. And he says, you know, when it comes to the Trinity, we all lean towards one heresy at one point or another. So which one are you leaning towards today? The Trinity has sought for us to answer and understand God, but these foundational things just didn't help me know God better. But recent scholarship has focused less on the math of God. How does three equal one? I don't know. What God is made out of. And instead has focused on what's called the economic trinity. And what that means is, how does God relate within God's self? How does the triune God relate to God's self as spirit and son and father? And how does God in turn relate to us? So if you zoned out at the beginning of that sermon because I said Trinity and homoousia and things, pay attention now because now, now it's getting good. The other part was good too, though. <laughs> the theologian Jürgen Moltmann looked at the Trinity and says, if the Trinity has always existed, then God has always been in relationship with God's self. God has always been in this dance, moving and weaving in and out of God's self in a perfect, loving relationship. So what does that say about our God? It says our God is full of love and intimate relationship. It says our God is a relational God. It says our God wants to know and grow with us. The Holy Trinity has worked within itself to bring about new creation, to bring about redemptive creation, to bring about intimate acts of love in the world. In our first passage, we have this portrait of creation, and we see that all aspects of God know all aspects of creation, which means that God loves creation. It means that in creation, there's this special place that was given to humanity and the triune God wants to know humanity in an intimate and loving way. Every part of God is love and every part of love is manifest in this world. Every part of God works for good in the world. And this interrelational love spills forth into the world and invites us into the triune dance of love, into a relationship of new life and new creation. The triune God is an invitation. No longer can we stand on the outside, but we must enter into the relationship of the story. It reminds me of one of my favorite characters from the TV show, Ted Lasso. I'm unsure if any of you have enjoyed watching it, but if you haven't watched it, it is a show about an American football coach from Kansas who goes all the way across the pond and coaches an English soccer team. And he brings with him all his Midwest Americanisms that none of the English people understand. And there is this person named Trent Krim who is a reporter. 
And at the beginning of the show, all he wants to do is write articles critiquing and making fun of Ted Lasso for the way that he talks, for the way that he interacts with people, for the cultural faux pas he seems to happen over and over and over again. But eventually, Ted actually invites him out to dinner. And they have this wonderful dinner where they get to know each other. And Trent Krim goes from a cynical journalist to someone who sees the empathy and love of a person. Eventually, Trent, because of this experience, can no longer continue his job as a reporter. He doesn't find meaning in it. And so he leaves the journal and enters with the team to write a book about the team. And Trent Krim is initially frozen out from the team. The team wants nothing to do with this reporter who's made fun of them, who's written hurtful articles. But again, Ted Lasso comes and invites the whole team to enter into a relationship with Trent Krim. And Trent Krim joins the team. He enters into the team talks. He enters into the coaches' meetings. He enters into a mentorship with a uh, player who's struggling with his sexuality. What happens is Trent becomes a part of a team, and finally he's able to truly tell the story. Because he's entered into relationship with these people. He's no longer on the outside. He intimately knows them with love and delight. He has been part of a community and he's been transformed. So too is our relationship with the triune God. There is this loving community that we are invited into in God's self to know love in a new way, in an intimate way. We can sit back and use theology. We can critique God. I could run the world better some days, I think that. We can sit back and critique the church. You know, they're not doing everything as I would do it. Or we can enter into relationship. We can enter into a loving, accepting, inviting community. If we enter into a relationship with the triune God, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, We enter into a relationship with the church and those around us. We enter into the story of salvation, the story of love, and we become transformed people. The triune God, who is relational by nature, has been since before time began, invites us into the relentless, steadfast, unending love. And when we come to know this, Instead of looking at the Trinity as this thing that we can't possibly understand, this unsolvable mystery, these theological words that make no sense and have no importance, instead we can look at the Trinity and say, there is irresistible love here, and I'm invited into that. There is irresistible love here, and I must invite others into that. So let us be a church and a community that is full of invitation, full of deepening relationships, full of love that is irresistible. And this way, all will be welcomed in. All will find a home and all will realize that they are a beloved child of God. Thanks be to God. Amen.